Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. What uh, the, the topic that I was given was growing churches while, while building tents. Um, of course, the title of that, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, we read there, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a certain man, a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And what this class, what, what Glenn said this class was designed to do was to be a class for bivocational <laughs> preachers. Um, you can tell by the original schedule that I was here off and on from, uh, I think it was 98, 97. Uh, I took some online distance learning classes rather in 06. Um, I moved from, we live in Tennessee. I moved from Tennessee to, to Bowling Green. One of the, uh, the churches that actually supported me uh, when I was here, they uh, got in touch with my mom. My mom called me one night, told me she had just got off the phone with one of those elders. I said, what he want? That he wants you to turn in a resume. I did. Two or three months later, we were moving to Bowling Green. Um, I've been there at that church for 12 years. Uh, the first, I guess, six and a half years that we were there, I, uh, that, that's, that's all I did. I was, that was my, my sole job. There's a uh, Christian school in Bowling Green's Foundation Christian Academy, our oldest. He started there in a four-year-old program. I started kind of helping out there at the school. And it turned into, they built a new school building. And I was kind of over the, the building, making sure everything was running, things like that, all the time. Uh, and, and then uh, health insurance, things like that. I started doing work um, outside the church, full-time job. So right now, I am the minister at Marshall Church of Christ in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I work for a small business. I'm doing heating and air work, kitchen equipment work, what the, just about everything kind of work through the week. Um, so what? We're, I'm not going to stand up here and lecture for the next... 45 or 50 minutes um, when Glenn called me and asked me if I got his email no and uh, he told me what he wanted and I was uh, I was kind of surprised uh, because best I can tell um, there are people that work somewhere and preach that would be much more qualified to do this than I am so instead of just lecturing, I got some things that I want us to talk about. Uh, but we're also, I want you guys to discuss with me these things. First of all, no matter what, uh, 
no matter what we do, whether we are whether we are a a minister, a uh, minister's wife, uh, school teacher, no matter what our occupation is, no matter what we do, we have to do anything we do through the support of God. James chapter four is is, is what I wrote down for this. James chapter four thirteen through seventeen. If you preach, you've preached it before a number of times probably. If you don't preach, you've heard it preached a number of times before. Most definitely, that's where James is talking about making plans. You don't say that I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I'm going to go here and buy this and sell it. And and he goes on through a list of things. Everything has got to be done in accordance to God's will. So if God wants me to do this, that's what I'm going to do. Me personally, the reason that I have always been drawn to being a bivocational uh, preacher is because I greatly enjoy getting my hands dirty and, and, and working. Uh, job, the, the, the job that I, I do through the week, um, this, this fella come in from a denominational church there in Bowling Green, they had a coffee maker. Um, that wasn't working right. My uncle said, well, I'm going to send this guy over after he finishes his lunch. He's a preacher too. The guy looked at me and he said, well, do you know why guys like us become preachers? I said, no, sir, how come? He said, because we're too lazy to do anything else. And as politely as I could, I said, speak for yourself, buddy. I'm going to come fix your coffee maker after lunch. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy working. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a behind-the-desk-all-the-time kind of person. Um, the jobs that I have done, they have been brought to me. Uh, I didn't. I didn't sit down one night at my kitchen table with the newspaper opened up, with a red marker circling ads and things like that. Uh, helping out a couple of days a week at the school grew into an all-the-time job. And then through different acquaintances, things like that, one of the jobs that I did was brought to me. And as that job was kind of dwindling down, that company was kind of having trouble. Lo and behold, my cousin moved back to town, and he kind of pointed me in the direction of what I'm doing now. That no matter what it is, we've got to do things in God's time if it's God's plan. And if God leads us to something, he put it in front of us for a reason. No matter if it's like what Keith is talking about now, the different people that God puts in our path, or if it's a job. If it's a job for a week or two, if it's a job for a month or two, I, the, the job that I'm currently doing, I've been doing it for three and a half years. It may be a job for a long time now, but whatever God leads us to it, when an opportunity presents itself, no matter what it is, we've got to make sure that it's actually God that's presenting that opportunity because Satan puts opportunity in front of us too. We've got to make sure it's an opportunity that's been provided to us by God. And then we do with it. We, we do God's work with it. And in, in, in Foundation Christian Academy, they one of the programs, one of the teachers, they always sing a, a particular song that whatever I will be when I grow up, I'll be a Christian first when I grow up. If I should be a, a fireman when I grow up, I'll be a Christian first. And no matter what job it is, there's not but just a very few jobs that we couldn't do and still be a Christian. And no matter what we do, God puts us 
people in, in front of us through different ways. No matter what we do, it's got to be done by God's support. Not a whole lot of discussion to be have on that. From, from the aspect of the second thing, from the aspect of, of, of us men as, as ministers, our wives, whether you work two jobs or not, I work two jobs, and when I'm not doing one of those two jobs, I'm a volunteer fireman. So no matter, no matter what you do, one job, two job, ten jobs, for us men, our wives have got to be our partner. At 2 o'clock, Heather will be in this room talking about grown spirituality, not being in your husband's shadow. Um, if you know, in Genesis chapter 2, when, when God made a, a helper for Adam, I don't know what God was thinking. He pulled a rib out of man's side. I don't know why he pulled a rib out. He could have done it with a little toe. He could have done it with his ear. He could have done it with anything. You know, you hear people say he put it out of his side because your wife's supposed to be beside you and not in front of you or behind you. I don't know if that's why God did it, but it makes sense. But Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 25 says that, that we are to become one flesh. We're supposed to leave our fathers, leave our mothers, both of us, and we're supposed to become one flesh. I could not do the jobs that I do without the wife that I have. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do either one of the jobs that I have if my partner wasn't my partner. On the way down here, we were supposed to get bad, bad weather. I was driving. She was on the phone with elders, trying to find out if we were going to have services Wednesday night. We had crossed into Alabama, and she was texting people to let them know that in Bowling Green, we weren't going to have church. You've got to have that. If, if we're not both working together for the same goal, then the goal, it, it just won't be met. Thoughts, questions, comments, anything. The third, third thing, it's been talked about quite a bit um, for any ministry, for any ministry to work, we've got to have supportive colleagues, supportive helpers. Um, Galatians chapter 3, I, I, I jotted down a scripture about that. Galatians chapter 6, where the verses 2 and 3 is where it's talking about bearing one of the burdens. There's some things that we can't do by ourselves. Without, Bible tells us very plainly, without God, we're nothing. Growing up, um, by no means do I remember doing it. We went on vacation a lot with my with one of my grandfathers, and and my mom has told me before that we were playing mini golf, and my grandfather was trying to help me, and I told him that I could do it by myself. I didn't need his help. If we're going to be successful in any kind of work, any kind of ministry, we've got to have help. We've got to have our our, our partners help. But we've got to have other people because it was said in the auditorium that, that nobody understands a minister like 
another minister. You know, things that, that Ray, while I was talking about, he told me a few of the things that he dealt with uh, in his church. He's in kind of a, a different work from most any, any, any other church. His attendance fluctuates from like 250 to 700 uh, because he's in a highly traveled through tourist place. The problems that I deal with at, at, at our church, somebody else would understand other than another preacher. And, and we've got to have those people. And they may, not be, they may not be people that we call and talk to every day. But they, we've got to have those people that we know when we need them, we can talk to them. And, and I mean people that we know we can talk to no matter what time of day it is. If, if somebody calls us at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and it's, it's some oddball thing that, that we've never dealt with, if we're going to be successful, we've got to have somebody that we could call at 2 o'clock in the morning. And after they've had a few minutes to wake up where they can listen and, and, and think straight, they can help us through something. Because if we don't have that, then we're going to go into a situation where we've never been and we've got to figure it out. And sometimes situations like that, if we don't swim, if we sink instead of swimming, then that could be very detrimental to a family. Given the size of our congregations, that could be detrimental to our congregations. We've got to have those, those kind of people. And as ministers, we've got to be sure that we are that we are that kind of person to other preachers. Because if I want to have colleagues, friends, whatever it is, and other ministers, then I've got to be the kind of minister that someone else can call. You know what I'm saying is that to have good friends, you've got to be a good friend. We've got to have those, those, those colleagues. Those, those three things, the support of God, a, a wife that is that's not just a wife, but, but she's also our, our partner. Whether you're in a work or just, just in a marriage, that's got to happen if it's going to be successful. But God's support, a wife that's your partner and not just someone that's with you, support of colleagues and, and, and ministers, that those things have got to be there for any, for any work to be the kind of work it needs to be. The, the other three things, one, one of them has to go both ways. The other three things I hope we can spend a little more time on because of, of what they are. The one thing is, is our, our elders. Or if we're at a congregation that does not have elders, I have been at, at both the men of the congregation. We've got to have an understanding eldership. If, if we're going to ever think about doing something along with our preaching. Um, you know, Jason, I think it was you one time, the church that he was, he was at, he, didn't you offer to mow the yard? something like that to, to help save expenses, um, to help save monthly expenses there at the church. He offered to mow the yard, and, and the men of that congregation said, we pay you to preach, we don't pay you to mow. You know, we're, we're talking 
45 minutes or an hour once a week. That's not what we pay you for. Now we, we pay you to preach. We don't pay you to do anything else. We've, we've got to have an eldership that understands. You know, my I have two elders at the congregation that, that I'm at, and both of those elders are are very understanding men. Now one of them's easier to deal with. You know, you got two people. If there's something that needs to be done, you know, no matter what it is, if if it's this, I need to go to this one first and then go to that one. Or if it's something else, I need to go to this other one first and talk to him about it and get all the details hashed out and then go to this one. You gotta know how to talk to people. You gotta know how to converse with people. Both the elders that, that we that we have are very understanding. Talk to them before I uh, before I did an, an outside work other than just you know helping out here and there and that kind of thing. And uh, I think me talking to them about that took about ten minutes. Told them what it was. I told them why I felt it was necessary uh, for me to do that. Um, they said, uh, "Sure." Yeah, I, I, I agree. You, you need to do that. Um, then no matter what it is, we've got to keep our relationship with our elders where it needs to be, be because they are the decision makers for the congregation that we're at. And we've got to maintain, again, whether it's a bivocational work or, or just a, a that's your, your only thing that you do. If our eldership, if we don't keep our eldership close, then we're not going to succeed. Because they are the ones that, that are the decision makers for the church. They are the ones that, that we go to. We've got to be able to go to them for counsel if we need to. The next thing, our congregation. Dennis talked about this this earlier. We've got to have a congregation that, that's that's willing to work. In Nehemiah chapter four, this is what I thought about. I can't think about it. People that work or do anything without thinking about Nehemiah. We just went through. Uh, we're actually still going through uh, an in-depth study. Uh, on Wednesday night, we got a 13-week book from 21st Century Christian. It's a study on Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. You can't go through Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther in 13 weeks. We, we are on our second class, our second three months in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And I think we started lesson seven a couple of Wednesday nights ago. Uh, we took a, a pretty in-depth look at Nehemiah and, and what Nehemiah was doing. Nehemiah is, his role in, in all of this was was what an elder's role should be in a church. But like Dennis was talking about earlier, it's a lot of times what Nehemiah's role is what people think the preacher's role is. Um, Nehemiah influenced, talked to these people, and these people rebuilt the walls to half its height within a time period that they thought their enemies thought it was impossible to do. Very plainly, the Bible says because, that happened because, the people had a mind to work. 
there's certain things outlined in, in, in the Bible, responsibilities, things like that. The job of the church, the qualifications, the responsibility of every single Christian are the same things that are the responsibility of the ministry. You know, sometimes people expect us to, that we, we need to do all of the visiting or, or whatever. Before I was ever a preacher, it was my Christian duty to encourage. It was my Christian duty to uplift. It was my Christian duty to fellowship, to, to visit, to whatever, whatever it is that you want to, you want to put to there. It was my duty as a Christian Went to Mars Hill 12 years ago, 13 years ago now. We, we just started our 13th year there. Um, I said something about having a, a fellowship meal. It was the, the church I went to when we got there about 12 or 13, about 13 years ago, about 35 people. Um, at one time, the church was almost 90 people. Um, as it turns out, they have had some, some very different individuals. Um, that, that occupied the pulpit um, for, for they were different in their own way for whatever reason um, some good some bad I am different in my own ways uh, but some of <laughs> some of our differences can be more constructive or, or destructive than others uh, but the church had in a span of about five years before I got there the church went from about 90 people to about 35 and I uh, talked to the the eldership about fellowship meals, getting together, things like that. And, and, and I made the mistake about saying something about once a month. And I was told very sharply that that is too often. That's too much. We've tried that. It'll never work. Fine. Left it alone. One year, we went an entire year without doing anything together as a church other than Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We had a meeting with the elders, and I said, you know what, guys? I understand that in the past, and we had been there like like four or five years um, at, at that point, and uh, we, we got to talking about doing a uh, potluck every month. Once a month, we'd come together. The idea was we would come together, we would have our morning worship, we would have our potluck, and then right after the potluck, we'd do all the cleaning up and things like that, and we'd have our evening worship. And, and that's it. Um, the church where, where my wife Amy grew up, they, they did that. They called it Church Eat Church. Um, so that's what we did. We'll try. People want to stay, they'll stay. If people don't, well, they won't. And if nobody stays, then we'll realize it's not really working and we'll do something different. It's We've been doing that for seven years now, eight years maybe, and they wouldn't hear changing it. We've done that for a couple of years, and then I think it was Amy. Amy had the idea. She's, she's a wonderful person at having ideas, things, things that, that we can do in, in, in the church. Why don't we have a birthday fellowship? Now, you remember 13 years ago, once a month was way too much. 
So then we started on the first Sunday night of every month, we would have a cake. Just a cake and just ice cream. Very simple, very basic. Sunday night church, you had a birthday in that month, you would have a candle on the cake, you would stand behind the table, we would sing to you, you blow the candles out, we eat cake, everybody goes home. We've been doing that for six years, probably, both of them. You don't mess with our fellowships now. <laughs> we have to reschedule a potluck because of weather or our cake night. One of the kids at church, they, they got to call it cake night, so that's what we call it now. If you have to reschedule a church eat church or a cake night, it's to reschedule it most of the time. It's not to cancel it. You know, so that though that people having a mind to work, it, it may not be there when you get there. And you know what? If you plan on being in a work for long term, in some ways it's kind of better if it's not there when you get there. Because that attitude can be cultivated again. A couple of years ago, the church that I preach at started meeting in the building that they're meeting in now in 1912. Uh, so two years ago, we celebrated the 100th anniversary of that church. In 100 years, the church uh, that, that I minister at had had 17, I think, ministers. Something like that. It, it's, it's 19. I believe it was 19. You know, that, that's, that's not a bad turnover rate. It averaged something like four and a half years. A preacher, it's kind of sad to say that that's not a bad turnover rate. But in, in 2012, the average term of a preacher at that church was four and a half to five years, and I'd been there 10. There's a lot to be said for stability in a work. And some things that, that need to be present. Now, now some works that, that you go into, I, I've not experienced uh, some of the things uh, that my closest friends have uh, in work. I've not experienced a lot of things that a lot of people have. And we've had our problems, uh, but they've been problems that that weren't of the moving, uh, weren't of the moving nature. You know, it didn't take moving uh, to to get rid of the problem. We've got to have that working congregation. If if you can be successful working somewhere else, you got to have people that are willing to work. I've got two guys at, at Mars Hill. We went to the Challenge Youth Conference last weekend. I walked up to one of them and I said, Jeff, I'm out of town, Challenge Youth Conference. He said, I'm preaching for you, right? Yes, sir. He said, I figured it was. I do it every year without fail. He, he knew he was doing it before I ever asked him. Uh, at, at the drop of a hat. Now, one, one Sunday morning, I went to church. Didn't have to teach class, but I was just saying hi to people, whatever. And, and I said something. Jeff said, man, you sound horrible. I said, thank you. <laughs> he said, uh, you going to be able to preach tonight? I said, I'll probably get through it. He said, well, I don't mind at all to do it. And if you think it'd be better if you didn't. I said, well, if you're eager to, then I don't <laughs> mind sitting down and not. And then another guy, he would do the same thing for me. Wednesday night, if we had had church, I walked up to him and said, Corey, I'm not going to be here uh, Wednesday, first Wednesday in March. Will you fill in for me? And he never hesitated. Sure, absolutely. And that, that attitude of, of working has got to be in our churches. Whether, whether I'm going to work somewhere else 
or not. The reason that I've been able to be there for 12 years, a complete 12 years, and have no desire to be anywhere else for the next 12 years is because a group of people desires to work. It doesn't matter if I'm working somewhere else too. If, if a church is going to be successful, you've got to have a mind to work. And it may be something that we cultivate. Maybe something that we help. And we talked about uh, success, how we measure success in, in our works. The world says it's numbers. Up at Etheridge Church of Christ, I don't know if some of you have been up there or whatever. You know, there used to be, if you, if you sat in the pews and you looked up forward, you, you every church, right? Most every church of Christ on the left side or the right side of the, of the, of the whole podium thing. You've got the hymns board and you've got the attendance last week attendance today offering last week offering today sunday night attendance maybe some of them even have the record offering that was a that was the best sunday in church history right because that's the time we took in the most money i i really i, I really enjoyed walking into etheridge one sunday when we were visiting and those boards are not there anymore and I'm sure they count. I'm sure they keep track of how many people they had, things like that, because it's a good thing to know. But it's not the focus. Again, in our works, whether we're bivocational or, or we're not bivocational, and preaching there's our only, only vocation. Success of our work is not how many people sit in a pew. And we could have a thousand people sitting in church pews and only have ten dedicated Christians in the audience. In the past 13 years that we have, have been at Mars Hill, it's not, it's not because of us. It's because God has blessed us. We've done a tremendous amount of growing in the spirit. The, the people there have done a tremendous amount of growing in heart. Some of the people that, some of the reason that our numbers have increased over the last few years, is because people that lived right down the road that had decided to worship somewhere else based on the past, based on some of the things in the church's history, have decided to come back. Now we've got one family, he had never taken the Lord's Supper in any church building other than Mars Hill his entire life. And, and he is, he's my father's age. He, he's old enough to be my father. He's got a daughter that's right at my age and a daughter that's a little older. One of the past preachers said something about uh, they call people sun worshipers that have sunrise service on Easter from the pulpit. Call them sun worshipers. The only reason, if the only reason that you're at church is because it's Easter, you might as well stay at home. Things like that. That Easter Sunday was the last time his family worshiped there. Until the first Easter I was there. The first Easter I was there that Sunday morning, here they come. And I knew his daughters. I said hi to them, and it was, it was as if they were seeing what the new guy had to say about Easter. Um, they, a um, couple months later, they, they came back to church in Mars Hill, and they've been there ever since. Very dedicated family. Um, their congregation has got to be a working congregation. 
And then, like I said, sometimes we, we have to help cultivate that. Um, and, and a lot of times if we help cultivate that, that relationship is stronger. Now, the, the, the bivocational part of all this, the other job. My other job is working for a small company. My cousin's grandfather started back in the 60s. It's a small family business. Um, currently, there are the way there is my, my boss, the owner of the company. His wife is a secretary. I am a relative through marriage. And our other technician is the only one that's not related. Now, at one point when I first started there, there were six people employed by the company, and still that one guy was the only one that wasn't family. No matter what comes up, if there's someone that passes away, Mike, church member passed away, I've got a funeral to do. I need to be off at 3 o'clock so I can go home and get ready for the visitation and I need to either not be here the next day or be here sooner. He says, okay. Um, during the day, if something was to happen, I could tell somebody on the phone, I'll be there as quick as I can. I could finish the job that I was doing and tell Mike, I'm sorry. This has happened and I need to go. And he'll say, okay. For a bivocational work to happen, you've got to be employed by an understanding boss. And by understanding boss, I mean that that boss understands that he is your employer for your other job. That being said, it doesn't matter if it's a job you get paid for or if it's just something you enjoy doing. It's always got to be the other thing. You know, people now, they, they in this religion, we're, we're told that we're supposed to worship spirit and truth. And, and, and by all means, that, that is absolutely the case. But now people are, are so about, well, if it feels good and, and the happy, feely stuff. Um, and my God will understand this. or my God will understand that I need to be here or be there or whatever. My God, the God, is a jealous God. The Bible very plainly says that. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Everything has to be the other thing. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be fixing somebody's air conditioner. It could be finishing the game of golf. No matter what it is. One time, I have missed the whole time that I have been working other jobs. I was going to miss a Wednesday night service one time. A nursing home had a freezer that it quit work. You know, some businesses have thousands upon thousands of dollars of food. We had one technician that was over there at night. He couldn't see anything without a flashlight. And, and this nursing home was going to lose all the food that they had to feed these people. I called one of my elders. This is what's happening. Is it okay if I stay in hell? I'm not set to teach a class this Wednesday night. So-and-so is. And I've already called him, and he said he'd be willing to do the invitation. Would that be okay? He said, absolutely. We understand. That's fine. 
they just said, no, you need to be there, you know what? Sorry, Dustin, you're on your own, buddy. I'll call you when I get done. If you're still here, I'll come by. The other thing has got to always be the other thing. And we talked coming down here. We were talking about different things to talk about things like that. Amy said, "Well, what happens? What happens if somebody is needs to to be a a bivocational minister and and their eldership isn't exactly on board with it? Well, the answer is they can't do it. You know, Jason wanted to help out and mow the yard. They said, "I don't pay you to mow. I pay you to preach." Guess what he didn't do? He preached the next Sunday and left his mower at home. It's got to be the other thing. No no ifs, no ands, no buts about it. It's always got to be the other thing. As much as I like my boss, he signs my paycheck. That's it. But our first boss, he that lets us in or he doesn't. We got to decide which one's more important. Any other thoughts, comments, questions, anything? I had a question, Brother Brian. Uh, you were talking about the two individuals that were so helpful mm-hmm. in the congregation. Sure. If you were, if if your only job was working with the congregation, mm-hmm. do you think they would be as ready to help? These two people, I do. No, because even though one of them, one of them, uh, before I started working somewhere else. Um, it was, uh, we, we kind of joked around that he needed business cards made up that said associate minister um, as his officially unofficial title. Um, I, he would. Um, the, the other fellow that I was speaking about that, was, that knew he was filling in for me, even without me asking, um, he wasn't worshiping with us no, at the time. Uh, but I do, believe, I do believe that he would be. Um, we had... Um, one of our uh, example of this, I was a volunteer fireman uh, before I started working somewhere else. Uh, one of our church members, an elderly member, he had uh, Alzheimer's. And um, now I take that back. I wasn't. I, I was working somewhere else. I uh, hadn't been doing it very long. Uh, I was on the way home, and um, his granddaughter called me and said, we don't know where granddaddy is. Um, can you help us look? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I was close to the house. I called Amy. Uh, I said, uh, I called, oh, first I, I called his son and said, Joe, what's what's the deal? He said, man, I don't know where my daddy is. I said, well, where, do you have any idea? He said, no. I said, well, you know, I've got horses. What horses help? He said, you know, I'm a farm. So I called Amy. I said, I need you to go across the street and field. I need you to get my horse, get it saddled up. And one of the church kids was there. He rode horses. I tell him to get his, uh, get everything saddled up and loaded. I'll hook up when I get back. Hooked up to the trailer, went and helped look for Mr. Bill. That was on Wednesday night. Church went on just like it was supposed to. I don't even remember. You know, when, when that happened, I was extremely focused. Um, you know, because we had a church member that was in a different situation, a different needy situation than, than they are a lot of times. Um, but I was so focused on that. I don't think I ever called anybody to tell them that I wouldn't be there. Um, there was somewhere else that I needed to be. And in Wednesday night, worship service is important. 
Uh, but as Christians, we're servants. And, and it was my time to, at least at that point, it was my time to serve. Um, church went on just like normal. Um, you know, like I said, we people work. Yes, sir? Yeah, I think some jobs lend themselves better to what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I knew, I knew a, a case where the preacher was a, an EMT. Sure. And, uh, man, he had buzzers and pagers going <laughs> off on the Right, right. And finally that church decided, you know, we're just tired of these buzzers. Sure, 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 sure. You know, I am I am a volunteer fireman, and, and I go every time. I'll go every time that we're alerted that something's going on. But my radio stays at home when I go to church. Um, if something happens right then, I, I, I'm, I, my heart goes out to the people that are in trouble right then. Um, but right then, there's... 40, 50, 60, 70 people, however, whatever worship service it is, however many people happen to be there, the, those people are there and they need help too. Um, you know, I would I would greatly enjoy it. I have, since I was growing up, I told my mom that I was going to be, I don't remember what order it was going to be, I think I was going to be a police officer and a volunteer firefighter. I was going to climb mountains on Saturday and preach on Sunday. Uh, that's what I said I was going to do. Um, I would, I would enjoy, I believe I would enjoy greatly serving the communities, being a police officer, uh, because of the shifts they work, the hours they work, um, I won't. Uh, I enjoy firefighting. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you hope nobody ever needs you, but when they do, somebody's got to help. Uh, most paid firefighters, they work 24 hours and they're off for 48. If you do the math on that up against the counter, there would be weeks where I would not be at church on Sunday or Wednesday. That's not feasible. Um, so if you are going to work somewhere else, by all means, um, you have to be selective in the other in the other job, uh, because some jobs don't lend themselves as you were talking about to be the other job, uh, because the the rotation, the hours, the whatever. Absolutely. Any other thoughts, comments, anything? When I was doing both here, mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that they understood, uh, I was working at Cracker Barrel. I went in. I told them. I'm hiring in that I'm a preacher. Right. I will not be here on Sunday. Right. One of the requirements for Crackville is that all employees have to be able to work on Sunday. Right. And I told them straight up, if you're hiring me, that's not going to happen. Right. And the particular manager here was willing to work with me. Sure, sure. But they knew that going in. Right. Yeah, we've, we've got to, you know, it's got to be the other job. Um, someone with, with, the, with the job that I do now, someone is on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, my uh, the fellow that works with me all the time, he's battling cancer right now. Um, so right now, I am the guy that's on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it's just me. I have received calls early on Sunday morning before. Um, the restaurant doesn't have any hot water. I'll be there at like 6 o'clock in the morning. Church starts at 9.30. I will be there very quickly. I can stay there about an hour. If I can fix it, I can fix it. If I'm not, you'll have to wait till after lunch. Um, and I fully believe with my God intervened. Um, I was there about 45 minutes and they had hot water. Um, yeah, it worked out. Uh, but it's, it's got to be, it's always, always, always got to be the other, whatever it is. Anything else? When do you find time to 
I drive a lot uh, with my job. Um, it's not uncommon for me to get to work on some morning and I find out that I'm going three hours away. Um, I spend a whole lot of time by myself thinking. Uh, a lot of times I, uh, I basically have a, a sermon wrote uh, in my head and I write it down. Um, one area that, that it is hard to, to carve out, make yourself carve out time for, um, that I could use, um, that I could do a better job at, uh, is individual study like we've talked about, like we've talked about here. Uh, it does add another level of difficulty to it. You know, some, some, some days you succeed, some days you don't, some weeks you succeed, some weeks you don't. Um, you know, sometimes it's a struggle. Anything else? All right, the next session starts in about 10 minutes, um, so I think we have filled up just about all our time. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening, your comments, things like that. Thank you a lot. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.